Welcome to the first episode of the Chapel Hill Thrill. We are presented by the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Jacob Karabatsis. Just a little backstory on me since I will be going through this journey of Carolina athletics with you guys. I am a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill in 2022. I have not been away from the campus for too long, so obviously it is still near and dear to my heart. Still absolutely die hard about the athletic programs. Try to go any chance I can, go see games, go back to Franklin Street, you know, relive some memories. Absolutely love it. And I really cannot wait for you guys to be on this journey with me. And I do believe that you will enjoy this show if you are a die hard UNC fan like me. We are going to start off with a lot of football talk, but do not worry. We're also going to talk some hoops. We're going to talk a lot of the non-revenue sports because if you follow Tar Heel Athletics, you know field hockey, lacrosse, soccer, we dominate. We bring home national championships, and we love any program at UNC, especially the ones who are bringing titles back to our squad. So let's start with some football talk. Obviously, we are a couple weeks away from the Mayo Bowl the Battle of the Carolinas, North Carolina versus South Carolina at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. If you're listening to this, you know who the real Carolina is. We don't need to have that debate. It's a useless debate. We know UNC is the real Carolina. We are coming into this season with some expectations. The 21st ranked team in the nation, Drake May completely unbiased. Even if I was not a UNC fan, I would have this outlook. He is the best quarterback in the nation. That is no slight to Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is also great, but we're talking, you know, one of the best quarterback prospects in recent memory in Drake May. He was let down by the defense a lot last year. They gave up a lot of points. They gave up a lot of yards, lost some guys to the portal, Gained some in the portal, lost some guys to graduation, but the roster does look great. The skill positions are there. We're still loaded on both sides of the ball with four and five-star guys, and I really think Gene Chizik, with this other year under his belt, is going to start to perfect the defensive side of the ball. But before we get into the on-the-field stuff, do want to talk a little bit about the sadness of the Tez Walker situation that is going on off the field right now. Just to catch you guys up, for those of you who aren't you know, in the loop on the Tez Walker stuff, Tez was denied eligibility by the NCAA, which is crappy and completely ridiculous because let's just go over his backstory. He started at NC Central in 2020, Season was canceled due to COVID. He didn't actually play that year, so he transfers. He goes to Kent State. He's great at Kent State. Has a great two years there. Hits the portal this year. Chooses UNC. Not just for football reasons. Obviously, he did want to play with Drake May and a really good quarterback. But he was also going to UNC because he wanted to be close to his mother, who is sick 
He wanted to be able to be there for her while he was in school. It was an easy decision for him, and he's still being denied eligibility. So he enrolled in classes at UNC. 48 hours after enrollment, the NCAA passed a ruling that two-year or two-time transfers have to meet certain criteria to be deemed eligible immediately. That is physical injury or mental health issues. Well, the thing is, Tez is in that boat. He does have some special circumstances that need to be looked at, and they aren't being looked at properly by the NCAA. First off, he shouldn't be considered a two-time transfer. Yes, he left two programs, but he only played football at one of them. So we should not be holding that against him, especially when you came out with the ruling of extra years of eligibility for COVID. It just seems a bit ridiculous to me. Now, this is where it gets even worse. Mac Brown in conferences has said that this decision is without a doubt impacting Tez Walker's mental health in a negative way. You know, Brown has cited seeing him crying after practices and has been told by Tez himself that he feels like he is bringing negative light onto the program. Obviously, Mac does not agree. He does not view this as negative light on the program. But they're putting a lot of stress on this kid and a lot of pressure, unfair pressure, I might add, on a kid that made this decision on the basis of being closer to his sick mother and only playing at one program prior. So the decision overall is just, it's not, it's not fair. And it's gotten to the point that North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper has um, tweeted and written something to the NCAA board on why they should overturn this decision and use his extenuating circumstances as means to grant immediate eligibility. And I agree with him. Even from an unbiased perspective, if the kid was at State, if the kid was at Duke, I would feel the same way because this just isn't a situation that should be played about. Like The kid's not just trying to play football at UNC to to boost his draft stock, have a breakout year with Drake. There are other factors with his mom that play into this, and I really think the NCAA is handling it poorly, and I really hope we get a report in the coming weeks before the Mayo Bowl that he is deemed eligible and that the NCAA thinks a little deeper into this situation and realizes that this really is not a fair decision. Now that is a little backstory update on the stuff that's going on off the field for the Tar Heels. But now talk some on the field stuff. I'm going to be bringing on a good friend and undergraduate assistant for Gene Chiswick, Jay Bansett. The guy is there every day at practice. He's been at all the camps, all the scrimmages, everything. He knows the ins and outs. He's right beside Gene. He knows the guys who are going to be stepping in to fill these gaps in the defense from losses in the portal or through graduation. He knows what's changing. He knows the you know how good Drake May has looked in practice. So we're going to talk to him about what makes Drake May so special what is going to make this UNC defense better than last year's? We are going to break all of that down with a guy who is on the sidelines and there all the time. So without further ado, here's Jay. We are here with Jay Banzit, as promised, 
the man himself, undergraduate assistant. Jay, how you doing? You know, Jacob, uh, we're in the middle of camp. Today was probably by far the hottest day. Uh, Coach Brown had everybody outside for the first half of practice, which is something that um, in now my second season, we've actually never done before. The entirety of the offense and defense was outside. Um, and so everybody was feeling it. But uh, I think we're in a good spot. I'm in a good spot. Camp's almost done. School five days from now, uh, first day of class. So everybody's slowly winding out of camp and getting into class mode. And then uh, practice will be here before we know it. And that South Carolina game is coming right around the corner. Yeah, that's for sure. So one of the big flaws of this team last year, obviously the defensive side of the ball. And you are working with defensive coordinator, Mr. Gene Chizik himself. So a lot of departures, Storm Duck out, um, Tony Grimes out. Those are the probably the biggest two names. Um, brought some guys in as well. So from what you've seen in practice and camp, all that stuff, you know, drills, actions, what what's the what's the defense looking like? Can we can we uh assume that they'll be more cohesive this year as a unit. I think defensively our entire group revolves around the two inside linebackers, Cedric Gray and power ankles uh, said last year, one of the best players in the country led the ACC in tackles uh, power kind of lives in his shadow, but certainly one hell of a player on his own. Um, everybody kind of rallies around them. You mentioned storm and Tony Grimes leaving in the secondary their big losses to him was second team all conference last year, but we we just brought in Elijah Huzzy, the transfer from East Tennessee state, who is very versatile place uh, outside corner. We can move him inside and substitute uh, sub packages. Um, very, very smart, very hungry. He got a pick against Mississippi state last year when they played in Starkville, very talented player. I, I expect a lot out of Elijah Huzzy and he expects a lot out of himself. Um, also in the back end, we've got uh, Derek Allen coming in from Georgia Tech, the older brother of now sophomore corner Marcus Allen. Uh, so we got a brother duo uh, in the secondary. We got a bunch of really experienced guys in the back end. Don Chapman, Geo Biggers are back. Uh, Will Hardy's back once he gets healthy. Um, D line, the D line. We have so much talent. We have so much talent, and they're so we we, we brought in Ted Monachino. Um, he's a senior defensive analyst, volunteer coach guy. Um, he's coached Terrell Suggs in Baltimore, was part of the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed defenses that won a Super Bowl. Um, and he's taking control of that defensive room and changed their mentality, changed their mindset. He's got them rushing the passer. He's got them stopping the run. Um, obviously, it's been all against our guys so far. Uh, we haven't seen any Garnet and Black yet like we will on September 2nd. Um, but Monachino, Huzzy, combined with said power, the defensive line talent we have and the experience in the secondary, I think defensively they're hungry. Last year all they heard was how bad they are and they're ready to prove um, that they are a much better group than what they showed last year. Yeah, and, you know, that's really the thing. When you have an offense as good as this offense is, you know, it should alleviate some of the pressure. They don't have to be great. You know, it's kind of like the Chiefs defense a little bit. Like, they just have to do enough. Like, stay in the game enough. Let Drake May get the ball. Let him take care of business on that side. 
So you kind of spoke, you know, highly of some guys there. So who is the guy? We won't say a transfer because it's going to be their first year in the program. Who is a guy that is a long-tenured Tar Heel that you're seeing in practice is really going to make a jump this year and have that breakout year on the defensive side of the ball? I think a guy, the first guy who came to mind was a guy who actually didn't play last year because he was ruled ineligible. Uh, his name was Tamari Fox. Uh, he's been here a long time, younger brother of Taman Fox, now the Giants, pass rush for us a couple years ago. Tamari now wears number zero as a defensive tackle. Um, last year, failed a drug test because he was taking um, a supplement for an injury, and there was a little ingredient in there that he did not know, and our trainers that prescribed him the supplement did not know was in there. So he had to miss all of last year, but he was the greatest scout team defensive tackle I've ever seen in my life. He was awesome. He's as hungry. He's probably just up there with Seth and Power as guys who love the game and want to play. Um, and him getting stripped of last year's season when we won the Coastal and uh, played in a really good bowl game, made the ACC championship. When he didn't get to play in that, he got he got pissed off. Uh, and he's ready to go wreck people's offensive lines right now. Um, so he's a, he's an older guy. He was really impactful two years ago when he played. He just could he just wasn't eligible to play last year. Um, so I'm expecting Tamari Fox to number zero to uh, to wreck some havoc on that defensive line. Yeah, and I remember didn't get to play last year. Very upsetting. Unfortunately, another situation like that's happening. But I already talked about that a little bit. Um, so. You guys have a huge game. Well, I should say we. I'm not on the staff like you, though, so I'll say you guys. Um, against South Carolina, last time you played South Carolina, also in the Mayo Bowl, also in Charlotte, South Carolina had a pretty convincing win, and they finished the season strong last year. They beat Clemson, beat Tennessee, you know, and North Carolina kind of had opposite end to the season, second half slump, you know, things were going bad. So – you know, how how good of a test is this going to be for this team that comes in 21st in the nation playing against the, you know, middle of the pack SEC team, but nonetheless an SEC team? You know, what are, what are you going to see in that game like that can really, really get you guys going into conference play in an ACC that outside of, you know, really three teams, four teams is pretty weak this year? Yeah. Uh, South Carolina, you mentioned it. They're an SEC team. Anytime you get to get uh, a matchup with an SEC team, you're going to take it, even all the way from the Georgias of the world down to Missouri. They play a very different style ball. The SEC, it just means more. You see all the little phrases. Um, South Carolina to us, the it's it's a border war. Um, they used to be in the ACC a long time ago, so the old heads get their little rivalry back. Um, but, yeah, they're just – they're really talented. Spencer Rattlers, as you as Tennessee and Clemson saw last year, can light you up. He was a former number one quarterback prospect at Oklahoma. Didn't really find a fit there. Transferred to South Carolina. Had some struggles early in the season last year, but once he caught fire, it was ridiculous. Uh, two top ten wins in the last two weeks. It's really kind of set their program in a different uh, direction. Shane Beamer, you mentioned it, their head coach, uh, the last time we played them. He outcoached us. Um, his pro, his team outplayed us. That was not our program's best moment. Anybody in our program will tell you that. Um, 
So they're, they've got a lot of potential. Um, they go, they're kind of a two, uh, two edged sword in that they can light you up like they did against Tennessee and Clemson. And then they can also play like the week before they beat Tennessee, they lost to a five and seven Florida team, 38 to six. So you never, you just never know what you're going to get. Um, but I, I fully expect the late season version to come into Charlotte and be ready to get a now top 25 win over us. So we've got to come in prepared. We got to come in a lot more ready than we were the last time we played them in that building. Um, and Bank of America has kind of given us the spooks recently. The bowl game and the ACC championship last year, we haven't played our best ball. Um, so I, I think we're ready to write that in that building uh, against this team uh, for this season, start this season off right. Yeah. And I mean, look, my dad went to South Carolina. He knows who the real Carolina is, but he went to South Carolina. And, you know, as someone who grew up watching Gamecock games, one thing I can say is if there's one thing South Carolina cannot do, that is slow down elite quarterbacks. And I really, th- I don't think anyone in the nation can necessarily slow down Drake May, but that's something South Carolina really, really struggles with, even under Spurrier, especially under Muschamp, and still, you know, under Beamer, like you talked about against Florida last year. The reason they got killed was because they had no answer for Anthony Richardson, especially on the ground. The read option cooked South Carolina. And, you know, just you talked about the history. So outside of Drake May, um, he didn't play against South Carolina, obviously. That was – shoot, I don't even think Sam Howell played in that game. But – um, or did he? But um, what is – what's different? Like, like what is different about this go-round with South Carolina besides Drake May, obviously, that you just didn't have last time you played him? We got Drake. Uh, Sam did play in that bowl game. It was his last college game with us. Um, the team just – I wasn't working with the staff then. Um, I've just kind of heard stories of bowl preparation. The team just didn't – I won't say they didn't take it seriously, um, but South Carolina out out-prepared our program for that game threefold, fourfold, however many folds you want to put in there. Um, so it's different this time is our offensive line, we've got still a few members from that game. We have a very experienced offensive line. Um, They struggled last year at times, especially in pass protection. Um, So they're very, very experienced. We've got, I think it's four guys who are running out of eligibility this year with the COVID year. Uh, So we got a bunch of old heads up there uh, blocking for Drake and our running backs. And the biggest difference, Drake, Drake just makes that big of a difference. Our offensive line is experienced. Uh, we are extremely talented at wide receiver if Tez Walker can play. Uh, you already talked about that earlier. Even if he doesn't play, we've got a bunch of really young guys who have really started to grow up the last two weeks. Doc Chapman comes to mind, number zero, small slot receiver. Last year struggled with drops in practice and truly over the last three weeks has turned it around. Uh, he's a four-star coming out of Virginia Beach. I don't know how big of an impact he's going to have with Kobe Paysauer pretty much taking most of the first-team reps. Um, but Kobe and Doc are going to be just fine. Andre Green and Chris Culver are two of the most talented guys we have on the roster athleticism-wise. And then 
I think we have the best tight end room in the conference and the second best in the country. We've got first round prospect Bryson Nesbitt uh, from Charlotte, extremely versatile, tall, lanky, long matchup nightmare. Kamari Morales uh, runs out of eligibility this year. He's the old head in the group. Um, very physical blocker, very smooth route runner. He claims he has the best hands on the team. And then John Copenhaver is kind of your stick your nose in the dirt, move a defensive end five yards down the field, catch an occasional pass. Um, so we've got a very talented trio of tight ends um, that are all experienced. They were all on the team two years ago when we lost to South Carolina. So the main thing we've got, we've largely got a lot of guys who played in that game or who were at that game that were very, very talented, just very raw and inexperienced. Um, and over the course of last year, over the course of this past spring and this offseason, they've really grown into their own um, and they're ready to help Coach Brown, this program, Drake, get to where it should be, where we should have been last year. Um, that 10 win mark is what he wants so bad. Um, and the both offense and defense this year with the experienced players are going to do pretty much everything it takes to get to that 10 win mark this year. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to get into Drake um, in a little bit. But before we do, you just talked about the depth of the skill position rooms. And, you know, you lose a guy like Josh Downs, who's such a huge part of the offense. I think it does bode well for them that he missed a little time last year. So they had to prepare and they had to play without him. They already know how that feels. Um, but in terms of being Drake's go-to guy, who do you think takes that Josh Downs role and becomes his sure hands target that he's just constantly throwing to? I won't say he's going to, because last year towards the end of the season, you could kind of tell when, when we started to lose games, it was because we got blitz more, Drake got blitz more. And when that happens, he has to have his safety plan uh, available earlier on than he wants. Um, and more often than not, that was Josh. So we didn't spread the ball around as much at the end of the season because we didn't have the time to. Um, but early in the season, you'd see the tight ends getting catches, Josh getting catches, Antoine Green getting highlight reel 70-yard touchdowns against Notre Dame. You'd see Kobe Paysauer showing up. So I think the, the main focus of our passing attack this year is to not rely solely on the one guy. Um, if Tez Walker would be the number one option if he ends up playing, he's so good. He's freakishly talented, probably the fastest player I've ever seen on a football field. Incredible hands. He knows how to run routes. He's mature. He knows what he's doing. Um, he and Drake worked really hard this past spring and summer to get to know each other. Um, and like there will be a drill happening. And if Tez is on the field, um, you'll see Drake smile over to him if he likes the matchup and then look back to the other side and you know exactly where the ball is going, 45 yards over your shoulder, a wide open Tez Walker. Uh, it's kind of cool. And then, um, yeah, we just – Nate McCollum's really good in the slot. I haven't mentioned him. He's a transfer from Georgia Tech. Really kind of lit up the ACC last year in a very low-powered – not receiver friendly offense. Uh, they had a bunch of quarterback changes last year. So he's kind of the underneath safety blanket, I guess you could say, if we're going to have one of those, but Tez, if he plays should be the number one option. Uh, and then that doesn't even mention all the tight ends that I talked about. Uh, the tight ends are 
very, very good, especially in the middle of the field, Nesbitt, uh, Morales, and Copenhaver. So we got a lot of options. That was the main point of this year is to give Drake as many weapons as we can um, through young players that we recruited and have developed, developing into stars of their own, like Kobe Paceauer, um, getting in transfers from various smaller schools like uh, Nate McCollum and Tez Walker. And then just bringing in a new offensive line coach this year, Randy Clements, really wants to run the ball more with our talented group of backs. So we got a lot of we have a lot of options for Drake and Coach Brown and uh, new OC Chip Lindsay to be able to work with and move the ball down the field and end up punching it in the end zone. Yeah, and you know that's what I like so much about this offense is obviously you got Drake may at the helm. You're going to be fine regardless. But when you mix that in with the fact that they they can literally beat you in every single area, they can beat you in the middle of the field. They can beat you on the outside. They can beat you in the slot. Like, like you said, the tight, like we're going to be able to probably run a lot of heavy tight end packages, you know, kind of like a little bit like the Ravens do. They run those heavy tight end packages you think run next thing, you know, Nesbitt slipping up the seam for like 50 yards. So it's like the versatility of the offense is what I love so much. Um, before we get to Drake though, I think one of the biggest areas, it's not a concern, but I just think people would be interested to know like how it's looking. How's the running back room shaking out? Like what are your thoughts on the running back room? The running back room is to me, our most, our deepest position. Um, we've got five guys who I would feel comfortable putting into the game at any given time. Um, they go in no specific order. British Brooks, kind of the old man of the room. I think it's his senior. It's I think it is his senior year. Um, he was he tore his ACL in preseason camp last year. Was slated to start then. Um, Amarian Hanson and George Petaway are the young uh now sophomores i guess and maureen's got all the power george is all speed um and they are very very talented eliza green ended up uh, he started the last year on the scout team uh, but through injuries and uh increased opportunity he really took off at the end of the year he's got elite straight line speed um very smart he's in the b school was a uh, assured admit into the business school He's very, very fast, can catch a lot of the backfield, very smart. And then Caleb Hood, um, all power. You get in Caleb Hood's way, you're going to end up on your back really, really quickly. Um, you you were pretty close friends with him when you were there. He lifts. He, he works so hard in the weight room. He and British really, and I guess Amarian too, they have they are pad level is low enough where if you're in their way, you are going backwards. And that combine that with Elijah Green and George's speed. We've got a lot of depth. We've got a lot of versatility. We've got speed. We've got power. We've got pass catching. We've got experience. We've got raw athleticism that we're trying to develop. Um, so our running back room pretty much goes five deep. Uh, and I think we, we don't have the superstar Yet, per se, we don't have the Jace McClellan at Alabama. We don't have the B. John Robinson of Texas last year. We don't have that. Um, but we've got depth that I'll put up against anybody with talent on paper, experience that you've seen on film production. Our running back room is very, very deep, and we are very 
happy with how they're developing so far. Yeah. And it's always great because, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a dominant back, but it's a completely different beast. If you are a defense that is consistently having to line up against fresh legs in the backfield. So when you got five guys and you're able to do that, like it's, they're going to, they're going to be able to do a lot of different things. Like, you know, power, they're probably going to run a lot of two running back sets. Like they have the ability to do so many different things. It's, it's going to be beautiful to watch, but now it's time to talk about the main reason why this offense is going to be absolute must watch TV. That is in my opinion, what should be the favorite for the Heisman and the best quarterback in the country, Drake may. Think he's better than Caleb Williams. No disrespect to Caleb Williams. I said this earlier. I think you're insanely talented, but Drake May, I just think he is the best quarterback in the league and he can do it all. He's the best quarterback in college football. So, you know, being in practice, you get to see it every day. So, like, what, like, what makes Drake May so special? Because obviously a lot of it is God given talent, but what are the other factors that you look at when you watch Drake May play and you just drop your jaw? You're like, this dude's going to be an absolute monster playing on Sundays. I read something this week on 24-7 Sports that said that actually listed Drake ahead of Caleb like you are um, and said that Drake May is Peyton Manning's mind with Josh Allen's throwing ability and aren't throwing skill set, um, which I had never read. I've never tried to make a comparison like that. Um, but the big thing that the big, what separates Drake to me is he is so he's very confident. Um, as you saw at ACC kickoff interviews, he's very confident. He's also true to himself. He understands who he is. He understood at the end of last season that he, and he'll tell you this, he didn't play his best ball at the end of the season. Our team didn't play the best ball. He didn't play his best ball. Um, and so when Phil Longo, our previous OC, left for Wisconsin um, and Coach Brown brought in Drake, said, hey, what do you want to work on? Drake wasn't saying, oh, I would just want ACC Player of the Year. I'm a projected top two draft pick. I don't really like I don't need to practice. I don't need, he didn't say that. No, no, no. He, he wanted to bring in a guy who would challenge him because that's the guy that he's very, very competitive. He's the youngest of four brothers. I think – well, two of the other three have won a national championship in college, and the other one, I guess, just stopped playing for our basketball team but was on our basketball team. So they are a very, very competitive family. And he's the baby of me. always had to fight and claw for everything he got. Um, so he – the biggest thing with Drake is he's extremely grounded in who – he knows who he is. He appreciates everything that people do for him. And he wants to be coached and he wants to be challenged. We brought in a guy named Clyde Christensen, who was Tom Brady's quarterback coach last season in Tampa Bay. He's now our um, offensive analyst for working with our quarterbacks. And Drake wants all the hard drills. He wants all the coaching he can get, um, which to me kind of separate. Like you could have a guy with his talent, with his accolades, led the country in total yards last year. You could say, oh, I just – I'm okay. Like, I, I just want to float through this. I want to get to the league. Drake wants to be challenged at the University of North Carolina because he wants to get better every day, and he wants to separate himself even more from the field. Um, 
and whether it be just how he handles himself, how he's always seeming to smile, but he's also his biggest critic by a mile. When he, he threw a pick today in practice and I immediately looked at him and he was not happy. Very next play uh, through this best ball of the day, back shoulder touchdown to John Copenhaver. And I was like, that's the kid that I know. That's Drake May. Um, so he's his biggest critic. He wants to be coached extremely hard by the best that we can find. And we got it with Clyde Christensen and Chip Lindsay, who Drake had a very large hand in picking. Um, he wants to be coached very humble, very approachable, very talkative. He, there's not a person in the program who he won't uh, have a conversation with, which is, I think, a very telling trait of who he is as a person. No person in, is no relationship is too small for him. Um, and he's pretty much the perfect guy for our program. Um, and I think he's very excited to fix the end of last season and show the country who he is, who our program is, uh, and get us going back on the right track. Yeah, that's what that's what separates, you know, the greats from everybody else is they've got the talent and they've got the motor and they've got that self-discipline to really know. I mean, that's just he, he's he's truthfully a different beast on the field and hearing those things about him mentally. I mean, it makes you feel so, so good about this football team, especially with him being the leader. makes you feel great about them going into this season. So, I mean, you know, covered all the bases player-wise. So before, you know, we get out of here, just a couple things. One, you know, give the people a little bit of a – a little bit of a rundown of what you're doing with the with the team this year, and then two, you know, give me a little a little floor and ceiling of, of what you think this team is going to be this year through 12 games. Um, so my role um, last it started last season. Um, I'm just your typical manager, uh, technically a student equipment manager. Uh, there's 12 of us. We work. In the equipment room downstairs, um, we decal all the helmets, clean all the shoes, put out all the equipment at practice, get it set up, take it all down, issue out all the shirts, shorts, hoodies, sweatpants, socks, shoes that you can imagine. Um, that's what we've been doing the last two weeks. Uh, we got a pretty tight-knit group down there under Jason Freeman, who's our head uh, equipment manager. Been here for now 26 years with the same program, which is pretty remarkable. Um so that's pretty much my main role. Um, and then once school starts, um, I've always kind of wanted to get into the coaching aspect, but um, I couldn't leave my job downstairs. Um, I like it too much. So I'm not full time upstairs, but um, working with our defensive staff to mainly do film study labeling. Um, I'm a decent guy with computers and organization. So um I kind of do a lot of labeling, uh, looking at backfields and personnel groupings and formations and route concepts, um, just kind of labeling those and grouping them uh, for our higher ups and the defensive staff to take a look at. Um, yeah, our we've had a lot of talk about this. Our floor, we won nine games last year. I feel like eight is our floor. Um, We've got a couple, like the South Carolina game, we're currently favored in Vegas, but they're a very tough opponent. Uh, they gave us a pretty good butt whooping the last time we played them. Uh, so they're very difficult. 
uh, at Clemson is going to be a really big challenge for our program. Um, their top 10 preseason team, reigning conference champ, playing at their place is always extremely difficult. Um, so those two games really come to mind. The, at, the road game at Pitt is going to be really interesting because that's coming off of the South Carolina game. The big App State home game uh, last year was the 66-63 thriller or 63-61 thriller uh, in Boone. They're coming to us this year. The week after, we get a completely different challenge that we're going to have all year when Minnesota and their Big Ten run the ball down your throat regardless of what's happening. Offense comes to us. Um, so the pit game, to me, I think is going to be really good for us to get our focus back on a big road trip. Uh, right before the bye week and then to close the year we've got duke coming to town for senior day and then at clemson and then in raleigh carter finley stadium against nc state um a team that we are i thought we've outplayed each of the last two years but lost both times so i feel like our floor with drake with the talent we have with the coaching staff that we have with an improved defense that's really hungry i think our floor is probably Eight wins, I think it's within reason. Uh, we would not be satisfied with eight wins. Um, nobody would, but if let's say we'd lose a couple of fluky ones, uh, it's college football. You never know what's going to happen. Probably eight and four. And then I think – I don't know if we can go – going 12-0 and 0 is really, really difficult in college football. There's only three or four teams that do it every year. Um, but I think if we stay – the big thing is we got to stay healthy. Everybody's got to stay healthy. Um, every team's that way. You got to pray for health. Um, if we can stay healthy, we have a shot to go 11 and one or 12. And one. Um, our schedule unfolds very nicely in the middle of the season. So if we can get past the first couple weeks, um, and then close out with the Duke Clemson state trio, um, I think we got a shot to be really special this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I hope you're right. I, I've, if I was putting a number on it, I would I would feel very confident about coming out and saying like this team will go ten and two. Like I think that's I would say that and feel very confident in it. I wouldn't really have any doubts. And you know, I just I said this earlier, you know, before you came on, but I just cannot see us, you know, and watch us waste another elite quarterbacks prime at the program. I want to see us get into that big new year's bowl. I want to see us do something special. You know, we didn't have, we didn't get the most out of our Sam Howe years. Didn't get the most out of Drake last year. We know this is going to be his last season in a Carolina uniform, unless the craziest thing ever happens. So I don't want to waste it. I hope that you're, that, you know, you're right about how good they can be if they stay healthy. Hope they stay locked in on the prize. I'm really, really looking forward to watching this team play this year. We're only a couple weeks out, so not too much longer to wait, thankfully. And, um, you know, don't don't sleep on uh, on Jay Banzett on the TV. He, he became a meme <laughs> last year. For, for those of you, a meme, didn't I? For those of you, for those of you who don't know, he, he – he got memed at the end of the year. There was a a pretty wild play that happened, and uh, he got caught with, with his jaw dropped, looking absolutely baffled. And, yeah, he, he became a little meme. So 
you might see him on your TV. You might see him get a little TV time this year. But, you know, I appreciate you coming on, Jay. Nice talking all with you. Yes, As always, I'm looking forward to watching the Heels play football this season and hopefully watching you become another meme. So, so that's until, the goal, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> until episode two, this is the first episode of the Chapel Hill Thrill. We look forward to seeing you all next time.